0: Well, hello there. It is good to see you again and welcome back to season two here on Lessons by the Lake, the Oswego Private Wealth Show. I'm your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff. It is great to be back with you here this morning. And as always, we have our star of the show in Mr. Bob Pedritus, the managing director of Oswego Private Wealth. He'll be jumping aboard with me. We're tackling another wealth management related discussion. That's what we do here on the show. And for a reminder for all you 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 folks out there uh, who are familiar with Bob or maybe you're just jumping aboard here on the show. Bob is known for helping business owners become financially independent of their business. And a big part about Bob is that he believes that they deserve to maximize their life's work, uh, you know, the value truly of that life's work in today's day and age. Today's topic. Boy, is it an interesting one, and we have a really exciting guest for you today. It's Chris Smith, the founder of Campfire Effect, uh, and we're going to be talking about how Chris's work really relates to the idea of business transition planning. In fact, the title of today's episode, A Culture of Leadership, Is Your Business Transition Ready? A lot to jump in here today, but first, let's go ahead and bring Bob out and say hi. Bob, good to see you this morning. How are you doing, sir?
1: I'm well, Ryan. It's good to see you
0: always good to be together my friend uh really exciting guest today i'm really looking forward to the conversation and maybe being a little fly on the wall here uh as you and chris dive into this idea of of business transition and where his work kind of intersects between the two so bob let me go ahead and throw things over to you and i'll I'll let you bring chris on and get get right into it
1: all right thank you ryan i appreciate it Uh, i want to introduce chris i tell you i didn't really need much coffee this morning uh, Chris Smith has been a mentor. He's been a leader to me, and uh, we've done a lot of really deep, uh, profound work in my business. I'm a business owner, and what we've done this just in the last 12 months. And I think of uh, Chris as uh, the East man. He's the most interesting man in the world, from my from my perspective. And we're going to uh, learn a little bit more, a lot more about Chris, I hope today. And so let me introduce Chris. Uh, Chris, again. Uh, the creator of the campfire effect he's been working with me through uh through a a mastermind program in which he's really helped me develop my leadership skills and the positioning of my business and uh my thought too because as you had mentioned ryan i do believe that uh business owners deserve to maximize the value of their life's work and that's the same that's what i'm trying to do with my business and i think that the keys are to to live this amazing life of significance, uh, to take care of the people that you love, to take to the causes that you care about and to make a difference in the world. And that's truly, sincerely what I want for my life. That's what I want for my clients' lives. And I often work with people who are super successful. They have plenty of money, they have successful businesses, but they can't help thinking something slipping between the cracks. And so they're, they, you know, they're asking themselves questions like, is my family truly taking care of them? Am i making smart decisions about money. You know, what would happen if I got hit by a bus? What happens to my business that, you know, eventually we're going to be transitioning this business, but what really happens to the business? And am I mag- magnifying my charitable gifts? Am I protecting myself against other assets? So those are the kinds of questions my clients tend to ask me and what we really dig deeply to uh, to dwell into and to help them ascertain and to solve and find those gaps in their planning. And again, Chris has been my guru, my doseki's man. He's helped me come along and look at those gaps in my own planning, in my own business. So with that, let me introduce Chris Smith, the most interesting man in the world. And Chris, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Bob. I, uh, I- that is the best introduction I think I've ever had. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save this one and listen to it anytime I have a down day. I'm the most interesting man in the world. I don't think my wife and kids believe that, so I'm going to tell them. I'm going to say, you guys may not know that I am the most interesting man in the world, according to Bob.
1: Well, it's so great to, it's so great to have you on the show. And, and culture of leadership, is your business transi- uh, transition ready, is, is our theme today. And let me just ask you right from the start, how do you define leadership?
2: Yeah, thanks, Bob. Well, first of all, thanks thanks to you and Ryan for having me on. I love opportunities like this where I can come on and share, and I hope it you know makes a difference um, you know for someone in some way. And you know, so this idea of leadership is a is a word that we hear a lot in business, but what does it really mean? And what do we mean? You know, myself when I'm when I'm sharing with an entrepreneur like yourself, hey, we're going to help you with building a culture of leadership. So we define leadership with really three ideas. The first is. Leadership is your ability to enroll your people into a bigger vision of what's possible than they can see on their own. So I'll say that again. It's your ability to enroll your people and your people could be your family, could be your team, it could be your partners, right? Your ability to enroll people into a bigger vision of what's possible than they can see on their own. Because I think that's what great leaders do. You know, here's what's so interesting about human beings, Bob, as human beings, we can only see what we think is possible. And you might say, well, of course, Chris, you can only see what you think is possible. However, most people would agree with you that there's a difference between what they think is possible and what could truly actually be possible for them. Like there's always more that's possible than we can see. So the question becomes, well, how do I, how do I see it? Like, how do I get access to this gap? It's always usually through another person so I'd even invite people who are listening right now, maybe to think about someone in your life who at one time helped you see that there was more that was possible for you than you could see for yourself. Could be in your personal life, around your health, finances, in your business. Most people can immediately think of someone, a coach, a parent, a mentor, a colleague. And think about what that did for you because you were sitting here thinking, well, this is possible. And they came along and said, no, this is possible. And you're like, whoa, I didn't know that. I'd never seen that before. And I really think it's one of the greatest gifts you can give another human being or one of the greatest gifts that you can be given is to see what could truly be possible because otherwise you just don't know. And I can tell you in my own life, like I've had some amazing people, you know, I shared the story, you know, I think one of the first times you heard me speak, Bob, I told the story of the marriage counselor who, you know, my wife and I were separated, like working out our divorce. And I was really committed to going down that road and this marriage counselor showed up but he didn't show up like a counselor there to counsel us. He showed up like a leader willing to provide leadership. And he enrolled me into a bigger vision of what was possible for my life and my marriage. And in a lot of ways, I think, saved my marriage and saved my life. So, so that's the first definition that we give of leadership is, are we really enrolling our people into the biggest vision of what could be possible for them, for our company? And then the second definition of we we teach of leadership is your willingness to challenge your people more than they've ever been challenged while supporting them more than they've ever been supported. So it's also, you know, are we are we creating a culture of high challenge, high support? And the reason that's so, I think, interesting and necessary is just because you enroll someone to a bigger vision of what's possible, Bob, and they see it, doesn't mean they're going to instantly go after it, right? And sometimes that's actually the most frustrating thing. I'm sure, Bob, you've probably had a client before where you helped them see what was possible, and, and they could see it, and yet, didn't do anything about it right didn't move towards it so that's then it's like well first we enroll them into seeing the vision and then it's we got to challenge them to actually go after it but also support them in getting there and it takes both high challenge high support i've learned the hard way because if you're if you're just high challenge no support you're kind of like a critical dictator right that's just challenging people all the time if you're all support no challenge you're kind of enabling people and you become the business version of a helicopter parent where it's like, well, I'll just do it all because no one else can do it as good as I can anyways. And then you find yourself doing everything in your business and it's not scalable or saleable and it's it's all on you, right? So we enroll them into a vision of what's possible. We we're willing to challenge them and support them. And then I would say the third definition that we teach of leadership, which might be the most important, but also the most confronting is, it, it's your commitment to being a demonstration of what you teach. So meaning, are you really willing to try and live what it is you're teaching? (laughs) Or is it a, is it a do as I say, not as I do? Or is it, no, just watch me and do what I do. Not that you'll be perfect at it, but you're, you're, you're striving to live what you teach. And my favorite quote around this is more as caught than taught. People will learn far more by what they catch us doing than what they hear us saying. And you even alluded to this, Bob, at the beginning of the podcast, which I thought was amazing. You're like, look you know, I, what I'm known for is helping business owners become financially independent of their business. And I believe that as a business owner, you deserve to receive, you know, the maximum value for your life's work. And then you said, and that's what I'm striving to do myself as a business owner. You know, so it's like, you're enrolling business owners in the vision of what's possible with that and your team, you're challenging them, supporting them to get there. But then you're like, man, am I living it, which is kind of the most confronting part. So those that's, that's really a, you know, the framework that we teach around when we say, what is leadership?
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. You're, you're so right. I, the mirror, the mirror is the, uh, is the toughest thing to look at sometimes when you're uh, out uh, preaching your gospel and teaching your ways of doing things and trying to be a leader to others and enroll them into that, into that leadership narrative and to take them where they are and it's a difficult thing to do and a necessary thing to do is to take a look at, in your own mirror and your own life and say, how am I doing on all of this? Uh, Chris, I, have a, a, I wanted to go in one direction and not, not lose this thread and talk about this a little bit more, but I was remiss in that I didn't really let our audience hear your story, your personal story, mm. who you are as a carbon-based life form, how you got here, because I find it inspiring and fascinating just very interesting would you mind going back there for just a minute and then we can pick back up on this thread
2: yeah so January 25th 1982 I'm just joking I won't, I won't take you back to the date of my birth I'm not going to go that far back but so you know it, I feel kind of like most people sometimes you feel like your your life just wound up here and then you kind of go back and you look and you're like no maybe my life has kind of led me here you know, maybe maybe there's been more going on than I thought there was. And one of my favorite quotes is by Steve Jobs. He said, you know, we never connect the dots looking forward. We always connect the dots looking backward. Like most of the answers are actually in the past, but how often do we pause and really reflect on how our life has led us here? And so really it, it was that moment sitting in that marriage counselor's office almost 14 years ago. This, I mean, it happened um, this month, 14 years ago uh, where I just had this epiphany, Bob, like at that time in my life, I was at the lowest point in my life. Uh, I felt like a failure spiritually, mentally, emotionally, financially, like relationally, like every area. I felt like a failure as a husband, as a father, as an entrepreneur, I had two failing businesses. I owed my father-in-law money. Um, and you know, that was a strained relationship and I'm sitting in a mayor's counselor's office to, as a one last ditch effort before we get divorced. And look, I just, Gordon Gunnell, the marriage counselor, did for me exactly what I just laid out in what I described about leadership. We had been to other marriage counselors who probably had great intentions, but they my experience of them was they showed up as a counselor wanting to counsel us and sell us something. And Gordon showed up with, I could tell, zero desire to counsel us or sell us anything, but to serve us and be a leader to us. And he said things to me that I was quite honestly kind of blew me away and were really confronting. But what Gordon did that day for me is he enrolled me into a bigger vision of what could be possible for my life and my family than I had ever seen. And he did not mince words. Like when he, when you talk about challenge and support, like he challenged me more than I'd ever been challenged around how I was showing up, but also said, I'll support you. And and he helped my wife and I see that we had a marriage worth fighting for. And I could see in his own story that he was a demonstration of what he taught. And, And I had two, profound realizations, Bob, that have led me to where I'm at today in that meeting that day. One was, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I am the author of my story. And while most people probably have learned that and realized that much earlier than me, it just wasn't until much later in life I had that realization where like, I'm the author of my story. Which one part of that was really humbling, because if I'm the author, then all this stuff in my life that's not working... I've authored it. Like that was kind of like an epiphany. Like, whoa, okay. Like I'm 100% responsible for all of this. Two was if I'm the author. But the hopeful side of that was, but if I'm the author, then the next page is blank. Like I get to decide how I could get to decide how this story ends. But do I have the courage to pick up the pen? Like that 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 idea came to me. So pick up the pen has kind of become my personal mantra in life. And what pick up the pen literally and figuratively pick it up like. If you want to change your life, take 100% responsibility and write a new story for your life, and then go live into it. And so, the last 14 years of my life have been my attempt to liter- literally and figuratively pick up the pen and live into that new story. And I, I created the new story around who I was going to be as a human being, as an entrepreneur. And you know, I can say today that my wife and I are just celebrated our 18th uh, wedding anniversary, and we now have five children. And you know, I have this business that I love, and and so. You know and I just feel really inspired to you know share that message with other leaders and other you know business owners and individuals. So that's a bit of my story. Thanks for letting me share. Oh, that's it.
1: great. And, and did you mind do you mind telling people what you like to do in your spare time uh, when you're <laughs> when you're when you're not uh, leading within the business and family uh, context?
2: So I grew up in a ranching rodeo family, a fifth generation Arizona kind of ranching family. And I, I grew up rodeoing a little bit in the team roping event and uh, kind of around that ranching lifestyle. And then in December of 2020, my wife and I just had this feeling like we were being called to go on an adventure. So we sold everything we owned and we moved to the North shore of Oahu, Hawaii. And I took a bunch of ranching rodeo kids and we all learned how to surf and and so now we split time between Arizona and Hawaii. I don't I didn't think that through well like the split of that, you know? Like now it's a little bit of a challenge but we're trying to we're trying to be surfer cowboys, Bob. I don't know if we've nailed it, but that's that's what we're going for. <laughs>
1: You just gave me a a, a mental image of that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly what I just saw. Yeah, that's that's right. Crossed my mind, (laughs) surfer cowboy. Yeah. Thank thank you for sharing all that. I I really appreciate that. But, uh, but shifting back a little bit to leadership, you know, we often work with businesses that are very dependent on charismatic leaders. They are the business. They run the business, and yet they're thinking they're baby boomers. They're thinking about you know, what is life going to look like after I sell my business? How do I sell it? Do I sell it to a family member, an insider, a third party? What are those things that I'm doing? And I know among the factors that influence uh, the price and the terms and and keeping the business together and keeping it in your local community. You know, there's a story of a client of mine uh, in a very, very small rural town had a very successful business a third generation manufacturing business and it was critically important to this gentleman my client that this business stay in this town because he felt he felt a deep conviction to his employees that they would have a job and have a future and so that was critical to it that's a factor Uh, but one of the things when we talk about leadership and a culture of leadership is are you building something that endures, something that lasts, something that once you're, you know, 10 minutes out the door, the business sort of devolves and ultimately isn't around for a long period of time. And the idea of are you an owner of that business? Are you a leader of that business? And what kinds of things should you be thinking about and steps? And because it's it, obviously there's the human element. Ryan and I talk about the human element all of the time. But there's also the practical element about what multiple, what EBITDA multiple of your business do you ultimately set up based on the culture that you've built and how attractive that business is to the future buyer. Sure.
2: I mean, you had no doubt that, I mean, this this is a bit of a blanket statement, but I think it holds true in most industries. Businesses that are the most valuable in terms of what people are willing to pay for them seem to also have the strongest cultures, the strongest leadership. And it's a business where the leader of that business has been able to create what I call success beyond them. Where the business isn't dependent on them, right? So if I'm, if I'm looking to buy a business and I come in, I'm like, wow, this founder deserves a lot of credit for what they've created, right? And getting it here. And it's really clear to me that this business is going to continue to be sustainable And is even sustainable right now with or without this founder because they've created such a culture of leadership and created success beyond them and empowered other leaders. You know, because I think that's one of the biggest risks, you know, and we can, and we see that businesses that are really, that are transition, what I call transition ready, have the biggest multiple in their industry. And so what does it mean that this idea to have a business transition ready? Well, one of the things that you probably have seen a lot, Bob, is a business owner starts thinking about selling. And then the realization comes either from an advisor like yourself or someone else that comes in and says, hey, if you want to think about selling, we need to get your business transition ready. And then there's all this work to be done. Like the business can't be so much dependent on you. You've got to create a culture of leadership here. You've got to empower success beyond you. You've got to have a sustainable. Well, what if the goal was to actually get your business transition ready long before you were ever going to transition it. And even if you never transitioned it, because I've had I had people say, well, what if I don't ever want to transition? I go, well, here's still why you would want to have a transition-ready business, in my opinion, is because a business that tra- is transition-ready means the business owner has a lot of freedom from it. It means the business owner, the business can grow n- without it being at the expense of the business owner's personal life, right? It's It's sustainable, it's more profitable, it's going to be more efficient. So that idea of like, wow, whether I would ever transition or not, yeah, there would be some real value in having a transition ready business because it would force me to, you know, address probably a lot of things. But then if you do want to go ahead and transition that business, well, it's transition ready. So it's like, there's not all this work to be done, but I think the biggest thing that I would look at to start with is have I really created a culture of leadership where this can scale beyond me? Where this can grow beyond me or is all of it kind of like really resting and weighing on me because if i can't solve that man this business is either going to be really tough to sell or i'll sell it but there's going to it's going to come with a lot of teeth in the agreement of how long i stick around and how much time and hours i'm still putting in and but that idea of a transition ready business just kind of came to me a few years ago and talking with someone, and I started becoming fascinated with, yeah, whether you're going to sell or not, there's some real value in having a business that is transition ready.
1: Uh, you're, uh, that That is a mantra for me, Chris. I believe that every business should be transition ready, whether they're, you're in a position to sell or not. Uh, for a number of reasons. One is, you know, you you know, when someone approaches me and they said, you know, I've already have a a buyer lined up and I'm ready to do this thing. And I, you know, we're three months away, we're six months away, we're even a year away. It's like, wow, I'm not sure we have enough time to really maximize the value of your life's work. And so there's the idea that you really should have a business ready for the other reason too, which is you just don't know what life's going to throw at you. Um, I think many who listen to this podcast know my story, and um, uh, I got cancer about six years ago, and I wasn't ready, I didn't really have the pieces in place that, you know, got, uh, you know, by the way, I'm cancer free, not remission, I'm absolutely cancer free, and, and, and everything is health, I'm healthy, and that's good, but what if I wasn't, what would have happened to my wife, what would have happened to my kids, what would have happened to my business, what would have happened to my employees? Uh, to to everybody around me, uh, and that was a wake up call for me. And that's part of why I feel so called to do this, is growing up in an entrepreneurial family, being an entrepreneur myself, and then seeing that you just don't know. You know, you walk in, you walk into the doctor's office that day, and he says, "I have some bad news for you," mm. and your life changes. And the last thing you're going to have energy or time or focus on is okay, now I need to do all the building blocks of making my business transition ready. So I so agree with you that this is something every business should be transition ready, even if they're not transitioning the day after tomorrow.
2: Yeah. Or even if they never have a plan, an intention to transition, right? Like, But you brought up something I usually don't talk about. So to kind of recap, Bob, like if I was to think, why would I want a business to be, why would I want my business to be transition ready, whether I ever plan on selling it or not? Well- One is if it's transition ready, that means it's gotten to a point already where it can kind of run without me or, or a lot of me, which means, man, I get some of my personal freedom back, right? Because so much business growth for so many business owners comes at the expense of their personal freedom and time with their family. It's like, those are always at odds with each other, but it's like, if it's transition ready, there's a likelihood that I've got a leadership team and a culture in place. So I have more freedom. I'm also prepared against unknowns, right? Like you said, e- economically or health. Um, three, a transition-ready business is probably going to be more profitable because you've had to really get it to an efficient place to be transition-ready. But I mean, there's just so many benefits that you would get to experience along the way rather than just grind, 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 look up one day and be like, okay, now I've got a lot of work to do to get this profitable, successful business transition-ready, which is okay as well. But You could be getting it transition ready as you're building it by putting more of a leadership structure, more of a leadership culture of leadership in place. Um, And so much of that also depends on like some of the work, you know, you've done recently where you've gotten really clear on like, yeah, what is our identity here? Who are we? Like, what do we want to be known for and getting people enrolled into that again? So you're not the only one always out there leading the charge, holding the message, if you will.
1: Well, you said, thank you, Chris. You said a couple of things that I think actually have might might have made a few of our listeners cringe a little bit. That business owner, when you talk about that, you have to be doing all the things. You don't have that freedom of time to step away, or that you're 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 really ready to step away. You're thinking about your life after this business, and all of a sudden you're being asked to sign a contract. Uh, that we need you to come hang around and make decisions and still be a part of the business without any of the benefits of the ownership for the next two years, one year, two years, three years. Um, I was very heavily influenced um, in my entrepreneurial life by uh, Dan Sullivan with the strategic coach. And Dan talks about the four freedoms, which I've embraced because every business owner, every entrepreneur, uh, whether they articulate it or not, has the four freedoms. And the first freedom is the freedom of time. Uh, because you're setting your own schedule. Sometimes we set our own schedule and work 80 hours a week, right? But we have the freedom of time. Uh, We have the freedom of purpose uh, because we are enrolled ourselves in a a vision bigger than ourselves. We had a purpose, a vision, a a reason for wanting this business, for serving others, for being of value to them, of, of setting that marketplace. We have the freedom of relationships. That freedom of relationships is that you can choose who you work with, under what terms you work with them, um, who's a client, who's not a client. That's a freedom of relationships. And ultimately, there's this freedom of money because entrepreneurs, business owners uh, are by a vast percentage uh, most of the ultra wealthy, high net worth individuals in our society. So freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of purpose and freedom of relationships. Those are the freedoms one has and being business transition ready all the time, just adds to those freedoms in my in my judgment. And I think Chris, you would agree with me completely on that.
2: Yeah, I've heard this before, but I'm, I'm glad you brought it up again. I, I wouldn't have known the four if you asked me, but I've heard of them. But yeah, you know, you think about a business being transition ready, you, if your business is transition ready, again, you're probably starting to experience more freedom of time, right? Where it's like you, your business can grow and your personal freedom. And that's a magical place for a business owner to get to because myself included, probably you, there's been times where it's like, yeah, I know that my personal freedom is coming at the expense of my business growth, but I don't I don't want to stop the business growth, but I also want to have you know freedom of time with my family and things I enjoy. That's a magical, magical thing that when it starts to happen, like when you hire your first, even assistant, you hire your first salesperson, you hire your first, you know, you know, project manager who, you know, they're starting to do the things you used to do. And it's like, you get a taste of that. Right. And then also, yeah, freedom of purpose. You'll, you'll have more time to pursue that. You know, you talked about living a life of significance, Bob. I would say that most business owners, whether they would admit it or not, but most successful business owners, they've to some degree checked the success box, right? But the challenge is, can can we also help them check the significance box? You know, because success without significance is often really empty and meaningless and tons of people will tell you that and tons of studies have been done on, right? Really, really wealthy people who never got that level of significance. So this idea of freedom of purpose yeah, if you have a transition ready business, you will be able to spend more time maybe on the purpose side of the business or just pursuing your own purpose outside of it, freedom of relationships, uh, obviously, and then, you know, freedom of money again. Your your income can grow while your freedom. So, yeah, I think and and I'm not and look, I don't I don't know that it's like a a perfect scenario where it's like every single part of my business is transition ready long before I was ready to transition it. However, what if it was even just the pursuit of it would have you be better? Even just, I'm going to try and get my business to be transition ready, right? Just the pursuit of that is going to, in my opinion, probably have you be more profitable, more efficient, right? Empowering more right, people. Right, right. Yeah, patient. and the
1: joy, that joy is in the journey. And, and I believe that God has created us all for a purpose greater than ourselves. And, you know, the old saying, he who dies with the most toys wins, well, I would say he who dies with the most toys still dies, <laughs> yeah. and and still looking back at that at your life, if you didn't uh, build into relationships, if you didn't make a significant difference, if you didn't take care of the people you you love, the causes you care about, then that was probably a life not well lived in my yeah. judgment. Yeah,
2: yeah, totally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you said something to me in a previous conversation we had not too long ago, and I we didn't have time to really develop it. So I'm so curious uh, what, what you could tell me about this. But you had mentioned to me that you had uh, done some research or seen some research or had some experience with the statement that four out of five sellers of businesses have serious regrets. Uh, four out of five sellers have serious regrets. What, what are those factors? What could you do? Yeah, and
2: I believe... Um... I'm not 100%, but I believe that comes from the Exit Planning Institute, right? Um, Where, yeah, I mean, so some of the factors are when they say like four out of five sellers have some form of regret, it's either the way they transitioned it, right? They didn't didn't realize how many options there were around like actually how to transition their business, Um, the terms at which they transitioned it, you know, meaning like maybe they committed way too much around like how long they would stick around after the price, you know, the value of which, right. They transitioned it. So, so yeah, there's, it's, it's kind of sad, but a lot of businesses, and then there's also an, a really shocking number of businesses for sale, Bob, that never end up selling. That's also a staggering number. Right. And I'll actually see if I can pull it up really quickly um, some of that information because I wanted to share and I was just looking at this just recently, um, where they talk about some of these, you know, some of the risks and some of the challenges around, you know, uh, business owners. Um, and, and so think about that. Think about not only think about the, 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 how it would feel to not just know that you're not receiving maximum value for your life's work. How would it feel to like, not receive any value for your life's work, to have a business that never ends up uh, selling, like never ends up right, being transitioned in, in, in any way, you know, shape or form. And I, one of the biggest things that I think that keep, has that happen is business owners either just don't know who to turn to or they don't turn to anyone. And I get it, like a lot of business owners in my experience, Bob, are pretty leery of trusting anyone, probably rightfully so, to help them transition this business they've spent, they've dedicated 20, 30, 40, 50 years of their life to. And now they think you're going to step in at the end. And so they they, they doubt a little bit to their detriment, right? And I get it oh, though.
1: Oh, Chris, Chris, what you're saying rings so true to me. It's part of why I feel so called to do the work that I do and to serve the people that I serve. Uh, my father uh, and mother, I grew up in a very interesting family. My parents um we're from Riga, Latvia, uh, when World War II broke out. Uh, my dad was 16. They ended up uh, at the end of the war being able to, uh, with the help of the allies, come to a displaced persons camp in Munich, Germany. And then they were on a humanitarian mission. The First Baptist Church of Cleveland, Ohio, brought my parents to America uh, to start their new lives together in their in their young 20s, um, young to mid-20s. And so my father was... Uh, I worked for one company his entire life, uh, his entire uh, business life in America. And he was uh, 30 plus years uh, with this one company till one day they got bought out and he got let go. And that's it. He said, you know, Edgar, sorry to tell you this, but uh, we don't need your services anymore. Thank you so much and uh, have a nice day. Well, my dad ended up starting his own business. He became an entrepreneur. And he ran a very successful business for the last decade of his life. But when it was time to step away and go into retire and retire, my father didn't have the benefit of any advisors. He didn't, he didn't really take advice, so to speak. And when it was all said and done, he simply just closed down the business. And yet he, ne- he didn't monetize it in any way. And, you know, as I look back at that situation, I said, you know, gee, I wish I I wish I could have been there to advise my dad or I would, you know, I was a kid, but I I wish somebody would have been around to advise my dad about this business that never sold. That certainly could have sold. He built quite a bit of value in that business. And yet that's why I feel so called to do the work today uh, for the clients that I have.
2: Yeah. You'll have to double check these statistics, but I looked again just really quickly. And yeah, according to the exit planning Institute over 76% of all businesses um, who sold their business profoundly regretted selling within a year. And they're saying that only 20 to 30% of all businesses for sale actually end up selling. So the statistics are pretty overwhelming that there's a high likelihood that you might not sell. And then even if you do, there's a 76% chance, according to this, that you'll regret it. And so, but it doesn't have to be that way. You could be you know, part of the 24% right? Who is probably profoundly happy you sold and be one of the 20, 30% who does sell. But I think so many of these factors are at play in what we've been talking about. If your business is going to be sold and if you're going to, so is your business going to be sold? A lot of that is, well, is it transition ready? Is it ready to be sold? Two, does it end up selling and does it end up selling in the way you want? To me, so much of that is, are you willing to get help? Are you willing to let professionals and a team of people who know what they're doing come in and really help you? Like you've spent your life doing what you do best, which is building this really successful business. Let a team of professionals come in and do what they've spent their life doing let them do what they do best. And together it's a one plus one equals three. You you can receive maximum value for your life's work, probably beyond what you even thought possible. And you can transition in a way that you won't end up regretting. But, you know, are you willing to build a culture of leadership? Are you willing to build a sustainable business? And are you willing to look to people like yourself, Bob, to like, yeah, lead me, be a leader for me in this. I've been a leader in my business. you be a leader for me in this. And I think, unfortunately, it's so sad. There's probably a lot of businesses that don't sell or sell in a way that's not aligned with the business owner or sell for way less than it should have simply because they just didn't allow someone to help them or didn't know who to reach out to for help.
1: Well, well, Chris, um... Thank you. I feel like I probably have 175 more questions and more places I'd like to go with you on this, but uh, we, we are pretty much up against the time of how long we'd like to run these 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 conversations. So I, I can't thank you enough for being a part of this. Um, sure, really appreciate your brother and, and uh, so grateful that you had the time to spend time with me on the show today. And uh, Ryan, I will turn it back over to you. Sure. And, right. um, all Well, thank
0: you, Bob. And hey, Chris, uh, be- also before we wrap up today's show, Chris, for anybody out there that, you know, took something away from today's conversation and maybe they want to connect with you or just learn more about you and the work that you do with Campfire Effect and the effect that you guys have on businesses, uh, what would be the best way somebody could reach you online or just connect with you or what's the best, uh, you know, plan of attack here for somebody?
2: Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, you can just go to the campfireeffect.com um, and get a sense of the work we do and some of our past clients and what they have to say about it. And then, you know, if if you, if you feel called happy to, you can reach out, we'd happy to answer any questions through the website, you can reach out to us. So thank you for having me on both Ryan and Bob. It was a pleasure.
0: Of course, of course. Really great stuff covered today. A lot of value in this conversation around if your business is in fact transition ready. And, and Bob, for all, I'll, you know, I'll throw the same question to you for those members of our audience that are recognizing the fact that, hey, wait, maybe my business isn't transition ready. And there are some steps that I should be taking, or there maybe it is time to really bring in that team of professionals to let them lead me, as Chris just mentioned. What would be the best way somebody to get in touch with you and your team, Bob?
1: The best way to find me always is just to go to our website, OswegoPrivateWealth.com. And the steps for a business owner who's thinking about this might be something of value to them. Um, We always recommend that after we have a brief conversation on the phone that we have what we call our connection meeting. And a connection meeting is simply uh, nothing more for me to spend some time getting to know you as the business owner, what your goals, objectives, your vision is, your values, what you're trying to accomplish and look for some gaps in that planning. And I can tell you that my only intention in those meetings is to serve you and to be of value to you. And at the end of that meeting, uh, the only thing we'll decide is do we want to have another meeting or not? And if, uh, and if I sincerely feel we can, I will ask for another meeting. Because if I feel like I could serve you, I could help you. If, if we don't feel that that's really the right place to go, um, I will say that too, and uh, perhaps send you in a different direction. And uh, I have a fairly vast network within the exoplanet planning community of somebody else who might be of better help to you. And uh, most people find that that's uh, uh, a no obligation, no fee, an easy way to get to know whether we should be working together or not.
0: Oh, fantastic, Bob. And again, folks out there, Bob and his team at Oswego Private Well, they are known for really just helping business owners become financially independent of their businesses and, and truly believing that they deserve to maximize the value of their life's work. That was a big focal point here in today's conversation with Chris, and we appreciate our audience stopping by being with us here. If you, you know, enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whichever platform you checked us out on today. That way you never miss out on a- a future conversation between Bob myself you know a great guest like Chris in future episodes we've got a lot of great topics and guests that we plan to hit here in season two and we'd hate to have you miss out on any of those before Bob before Chris I'm Ryan we're gonna go ahead and say so long but we appreciate you stopping by and being with us here on lessons by the lake securities and advisory services offered through LPL financial a registered investment advisor member FINRA SIPC The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. No strategy assures success or protects against loss.